Hello and welcome to The Thing About Golf, Golf Australia Magazine's ongoing search for an answer to that unanswerable question, what is it that draws otherwise sensible and intelligent people to get hooked on this crazy game? My name's Rod Murray, and as regular listeners know, I'm your guide on these journeys into the psyche of golfers, that group of people for whom the game has become more than just a game and is instead a part of their very being. On recent episodes, we've heard from both Kari Webb and Peter Fowler, two of this nation's most popular players, but both, it would be fair to say, into the back nine of their competitive careers. This week, we change gears a little and sit down with a player who is very much at the height of his powers. Mark Leishman has quietly gone about an already extraordinarily successful career. He's done it with a minimum of fuss, and there seems no reason that his upward trajectory can't continue. But it's a long way from Windy Warrnambool to the dizzying heights of the PGA Tour, and for the son of a bricklayer, the two worlds could barely be further apart. It is perhaps this grounded upbringing that sees Leishman maintain an everyman attitude to life and the game, right down to his obsession with mowing the lawn. But don't be fooled. As Leishman reveals, there lurks beneath a fiery competitor with much left to achieve in golf. As always with these chats, the idea is to cover less of the well-known territory and see if we can dig around the corners of what makes a player like Leishman tick. I hope you enjoy the discussion and that you come away knowing a little bit more about Mark Leishman the golfer and the man than you did when you started. So the podcast, Mark, is called The Thing About... The thing about golf, which is a pretty broad question. So the, I've been asking it this way of a couple of our most recent guests. Finish this sentence for me. The thing about golf is? The thing about golf is um, it can be the greatest game in the world and the most frustrating game in the world. Um, it can make you really happy, really uh, – just it can put your emotions through the ringer, and I think that's what's so good and so hard about it. It's kind of the same appeal for everybody. It doesn't matter what level you play at, does it? Everybody can recognise there's good and bad in the game for everybody. So your level, your your idea of bad might be my idea of amazingly good, but we both have the same emotions and responses. Yeah, it's um, it really is. It's you know you can always play better no matter how well you play. Um, and you know, for instance, last week at the Travellers, you know, I played great the first two days. Uh, fourth after two days and then um you know you shoot two over two days in a row and drop back 50 spots so um it can be yeah satisfying and and frustrating all within the space of a day or, or an hour or, or a week so um it's a yeah i think that's that's what's pretty good about it um you never just master the, it do you you never get there yeah <laughs> exactly and and when you the, the minute you think it's easy that's when it's going to jump up and grab you so um yeah, it's a it's a hard game, but it's a very satisfying one when you can uh, happen to to master it, even if it's just for a, an hour or a, or, a, or a day or a week. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the hot scoring on the PGA Tour of recent times shortly. We'll come back to that, but I wanted to find out your start in the game. I've met your dad, good player in his own right. Is that how you got your start in golf? And what age were you? And what do you remember about the first time you thought to yourself, "I really like this game"? Was it immediate, or did it take a year? Can you recall? Um, no, I knew pretty much instantly. Uh, I loved anything with a ball, uh, any sport, just, um, you know, cricket, footy, golf, tennis. Um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed everything and, um, golf, I just always, always enjoyed it. Um, and I was, I've, I was good at it from a pretty early age. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Dad was a good golfer. Still is a good golfer. Um, don't don't and, use the was uh, word. You're a dad yourself now. You know what that is. People start saying yeah, was, exactly. no good. Yes. Yeah, my kids, are uh, they're starting to get into it as well. So I'm sort of going through what he was going through when, when he was uh, bringing me up. And, um, you know, it's that's the cool thing about it. You know, you can play with Tiger Woods or you can play with your friends or your son or your daughter and um, get – pretty similar satisfaction out of out of all of those things um you know me when i play with my dad that still still brings a huge smile to my face and, and i know it does his as well your boys will soon have the joy of playing golf with granddad as well yeah yeah they um yeah they've, when we were back in australia last year we uh we got out a few times and and you know that was that was awesome just to get out to, to warnable and play some golf and you know to see my boys on the course where I grew up was um, was pretty amazing. Yeah, indeed. Uh, you said you were obviously you were pretty good pretty quick. You're obviously a bit better than good. You're on the PGA Tour. That puts you in the top point oh 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 percent Was there a time when you realised that maybe – there were, I'm sure there were other kids at the club who were good and it would have been pretty obvious, I imagine, fairly early that you were better. When did that sort of start to become a possibility for you when you started to think, hang on, I might be good enough? Yeah, probably about, um, I'd say 13. I won the club championships when I was 13. Was um, your dad in the group in the last round with you, in the club champs? Yeah, we played together in the last round. Uh, it was the, the club championships were four rounds of stroke at Warnable. Um, and, yeah, I, I played good in the last round and um, got over the line. Dad didn't finish second, which was good. He, <laughs> so it's not like he let me win. So that was uh, probably made it more satisfying. But, um, yeah, it, it was a pretty big buzz for him to, to see that. And, um, I mean, that's when I sort of thought I, I had a pretty, you know, I, I was, I was good, but you I mean, you never really know, you know, it's a pretty small area of, you know, Victoria where, where we grew up and, you know, you think you're good and then you go to Melbourne and you start getting your butt kicked there and then you think you're good in Melbourne and then you go to the, the Nationals and you get your butt kicked there and you just have to keep improving, which is what I really enjoyed. I always, and still do, I always want to play with people that are better than me just to see where I've got to improve, how I can improve um, and just challenge yourself. And I've always loved that, you know, playing pennant in Melbourne. I, I always wanted to play number one because I wanted to play the best player from the other club. Um, and that, you know, now is still the case, you know. I, I want to play with whether it's Brooks Koepka or Roy McIlroy or Tiger Woods. Um, I want to play with the guys that are that are better than me and um, try and take it to them and beat them. Yeah, just to clarify, you don't want to play number one pennant in Melbourne again. That's not what you were saying there. You want to play with the very best. <laughs> Some good. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember about those days? Because every pro I've ever met, and Melbourne in particular, much more so than what we have here in Sydney. It's a real culture that pennant in Melbourne, isn't it? It's a it's a big deal. It is a big deal. It's good just because you know you get the, you're playing you learn to play in front of a crowd, um, and it means a lot to the clubs to have that. I guess it's a bragging right, you know, of winning the Division One pennant or Division Two or whatever it might be, um, and showcasing your course that week. You know, getting the greens as hard, as fast and as hard as you can, and and putting the pin placements as tough as you can, and just. Yeah, that that was good playing tournaments uh, or playing rounds on courses that are you know when they're in great condition and playing at their toughest. I think that prepares you for uh, you know for when you get to 
or major, I guess, because you know you don't really see that until you know those sort of pin placements in those conditions until you get to a major because you know they're a little more generous on on the tour. Yeah, indeed. Have you got a standout memory from Pennant? We'll move on from this in a moment, but I'm always intrigued because these are the things that shape players for the future. That's your formative years as a competitor. Uh, any standout memories from that that time? Who were the the other big names in Melbourne Pennant golf when you played? Yeah, when I was playing um, early on, I started playing against you know Marcus Fraser. I'd you know try and get up against him playing for Kingswood. Um, I remember Ash Hall was always a really tough match. He played for Huntingdale, and I actually played him in a final uh, at Q one year. Um, so that we actually won that final, which was a, a pretty good memory. And then um, I came out on top on that one. And another final against Kingswood, I actually lost. Um, lost. I can't remember who I played, but I remember I lost in the final, and, and we lost the match and and all that. So that was, you know, just playing under pressure was. Um, I just I love that, and that's actually what I'm finding difficult um, with coming back onto the tour now with no crowds. There's no pressure. We're still playing for the you know a lot of money and all that, obviously, but there's just no no real pressure, which is um, I feel like is an advantage for me um, when other people have to deal with that. And the way I deal with it, it sort of you know takes away a little bit of the advantage and uh, something I'm, I'm dealing with at the moment, which is which is certainly a challenge. There's two sides to professional golf, isn't there? One is the business, which when you get to the PGA Tour, can overtake the other side, which is what you're talking about, the golfer within. Easy to get distracted by the money and the business deals and the schedules and where to play, all of those things. And they are a big deal, aren't they? You know, you're talking not insignificant sums of money and your whole family and your future and your career, but at the end of the day, you're doing it all because what you really love to do is make a putt in front of 10,000 people to beat another bloke. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, um, I guess that happens, you know, not only when you become successful on the tour, but when you first move to America and try and get to the tour, it's deciding where to live. Um, you know, deciding, um, what route to take, whether you go through, you know, the European tour or the, was it the corn Ferry tour or do the Monday qualifiers for the PGA tour, you know, what, what do you do there? And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, managing, all right, this club company is throwing money at me to use it, but I don't like the clubs. Do I take the money? And, you know, it's just all, all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, there's, um, there's issues, but they're all good problems. I mean, it's not like it's, um, huge problems that you you don't look at them as problems. It's just decisions you got to make like with any, um, any job in anywhere, you know, you have to make decisions that are best for you. And normally, um, you know, if you you wouldn't take a job for a little bit more money, that's going to make you less happy. You know, you would normally take what makes you happy, and uh, that's what um, you know you perform better and probably more make make more money that way anyway. So, yeah, they're the decisions you got to make, and um, I guess that's part of the fun. You know, making the right decisions, and um, you know just enjoying the ride, I guess, more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, you, it's not really success if you're not enjoying it along the way. No, that's a that's a very good point, which a lot of us forget. Money money makes things easier, but it doesn't make things good. <laughs> so if they're already good, they'll be better, but if they're not good, it's not going to help. It's a long way, Mark, from Warrnambool to West Virginia. I've got two questions here. What's your relationship like with America? You've been living there for a while now. You're married an American. And you might be the only golfer that lives in West Virginia. Why aren't you in Florida or Texas or one of those other places where everybody else lives? 
Well, Virginia Beach. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia Beach. Sorry. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia Beach. It's um, yeah, I'm the only golfer here. Um, so Audrey's from here, and you know I've got to be away from my family, so I would never take her away from hers as well. Um, you know the old the old thing, happy wife, happy life. It's it's very true. Um, so yeah, I mean that's um, that's why I'm here, but. Um, and what was the other part of the question? Sorry, your relationship with America. So you've married an American. You live in America. I spoke to Kari Webb yes. the other week, and she's been there more than half her life. Still thinks of herself as Australian, but also thinks of herself as American as well. What's that like for you? And particularly in what's been some difficult times in recent weeks, being in America wouldn't have been yeah. easy. I wouldn't think. Yeah, no, I love it over here. It's um, everything's quite easy most of the time. Um, you know, like I haven't lost the accent or anything. I think you only lose that if you if you want to. Um, There'll be a couple of blokes got, out there will hear you accent. say that, and they'll come and talk to you in the next couple of weeks. That's what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, no, nah, it's I don't. I really like it. Like I say, things are, are pretty easy. Yes, it's been been tough, but I think um, oh, yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel too different. And I think we're lucky with where we are as well. Like that we're We've only got a small number of cases here in Virginia Beach. Um, I think there's other parts of the country that are struggling with it more. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can get through all this sooner rather than later and, and get back to uh, to normal life. Obviously, there's a, a lot of people having to deal with some stuff that they really would prefer not to be and, you know, people losing their lives. So it's it's bad. But, um, yeah, I think we're, we're in a little pocket here where we're, we're quite lucky. Um, and the, I think the tour is doing a really good job with uh, with all their stuff as well. Yeah, on difficult uh, difficult circumstances. Perspective is one thing you probably don't need a lesson in, which some people are probably getting a lesson in. As you say, people are dying around you. It makes three-putting look fairly unimportant. You had that lesson very close to home about five years ago. Audrey was gravely ill. I don't know. You've spoken about it plenty of times. You've been asked about it plenty of times. Is it something you still think about and the lessons that you learnt through that time, do they stay with you? Because this happens to us as people, doesn't it? We we have a big scare or something, and three years later, we've kind of forgotten about it. it. Was like it never happened. Has it been like that for you, or have you do you still remember that time and how you felt? Uh, no, I definitely still remember it. It's um, it was a pretty significant time um, in what well, both of our lives. Um, yeah, that, that perspective has, has stayed with me. Obviously, you know, you have moments where you, where you do lose it a little bit, but um, for the most part, it's been um, it's been something I think about a lot. You know, little uh, just the little things I think I enjoy a lot more now. Um, you know, every April you think about where we are and, and where, we, where I could have been, where she could have been. Um, and I think every April that brings back some, some pretty, uh, important perspective. Um, you know, she shouldn't be alive. Um, but somehow got, got through it and, and survived it and, um, has done a lot of good since then. So, um, I think, you know, I, I don't want to say it was meant to be and, but I feel like it was given to her because she could survive it and bring some good out of it. Um, and, you know, we started our foundation, after after all that stuff and and we've helped a lot of people who really needed it and i feel you know that's to i always try and look at the positives in everything and um that's certainly one of the positives that um you know we've with what she went through we've i think created a lot of awareness uh and and helped a lot of families that um that really need it so um 
as bad as it was, I feel like it's um, it turned out to be uh, quite a good thing. Yeah, it, it's easy from the outside, and we're all guilty of it. You've probably been guilty of it yourself. You look at a bloke like yourself who's in a privileged position. You're doing well. You've made plenty of money. You start a foundation, and to think that it's just sort of uh, something you do, but there's something more personal for most of the players with the things they're involved in, aren't they? We don't pay that much attention, but for someone like yourself and what you do with that foundation actually is really important. Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, you know, we don't ask people for for a lot of money or anything like that. We That's not what it's about. We just want to – it's more about awareness. I mean, you know, yes, it's great to help people, but we feel like if we can get the, get the word out there what sepsis is and um, what the symptoms are and can avoid – you help from stop you getting it and getting bad sepsis every hour it goes by your chance of dying goes up eight percent so if you go to bed with it and don't know 10 hours later you're probably going to be dead um so it's worth looking up the symptoms just to it really could save your life um or stop you going through something that's you know like what audrey went through she i'd I'd never heard of it i had to google it when she was in the hospital we're lucky Um, we're blokes aren't we we don't do it. In fact, it's just an awkward thing for us to talk about. That for the most part, we won't think about it. Topic yeah. shock syndrome. I well, think guys is can get it too. Yeah, really. Guys can get sepsis as well. Yeah. So just from like, if you have a cut on your finger, uh-huh. it's um, it's like, so if you have a cut on your finger, um, you know, it gets infected, rather than basically sending out the, you know, the the U.S. Navy SEALs or the Australian SAS, they'll send out the entire military. So you, it sends out two months, turns your blood toxic and, and kills you from the inside out, basically. Um, so, you know, if you know the symptoms and you're like, geez, I feel like crap, um, you know, you can go there, go to the hospital and it's just antibiotics and you're good to go. Um, but, you know, if you don't know what it is, you probably end up in a, in a coffin, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, just little things like that. But yeah, no, it's you know we're we're lucky with the with the situation we're in and we've, that we that Audrey survived it, um, and we can you know we're in a we got a platform to to help people and um, create that awareness. So um, yeah, we we do live a, a good life, and and I know that know how lucky I am, but it's also nice to to do good and hopefully change other people's lives as well. Yeah, you've got it about as good as a bloke can get it, can't you? You've got home is Australia. You've got an American wife. You're there in sort of Virginia Beach. I'm sure I know that she likes Australia, enjoys coming to Australia. You spend a fair bit of time here each year. Way back when, these are things you don't think about when you're a kid and you're practicing, you know, in the dark on the putting green for the Masters or the Open or whatever it is that you've decided to putt for that day. It's an impossible question, but you'll get the point. Could you have looked forward from there and seen where you are here? Not that it's over by any stretch of the imagination, but pretty good so far yeah i mean the way i i looked at it um you know obviously grew up in a small town warnable um but the way i always looked at it was you know the guys that are on that tour at the time you know um steve alkington norman um you know look at steve strick uh, all those you know the just that generation older um i'm like well someone's got to do it why why not me? <laughs> um, so that's the, that's the way I always looked at it. You know, when I got in contention, it was like, well, it's either you're going to win or me. So, so why not me? Uh, if I can play good and beat you, you know, why not? Um, so that's the way I always looked at it. But um, yeah, it's, I am very lucky. I, I know that. And, you know, a lot of hard work's gone in, but there's obviously a, you know, a little bit of luck there involved. And um, 
some good breaks along the way. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a a lot of fun, and hopefully can uh, win a few more tournaments and and a few bigger tournaments. Sorry to butt in, and I hope you're enjoying our chat with Mark Leishman, but I figured that if you are, then you might also like to delve into the thing about golf archives. Our previous guests have come from every facet of the game, from administration and rules to course design and players. We've even squeezed in a course owner and a book publisher along the way. And of course, plenty of professionals as well. So do yourself a favour and head to golfaustralia.com.au, click the podcast tab and check out all the past episodes. Now, if you're one of the cool kids, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And not only do you get the whole back catalogue, but we'll turn up in your playlist whenever we release a new episode. You don't have to do a thing. You get all that for the crazy low price of, wait for it, absolutely nothing. Yes, folks, it's free. So there really is no excuse. Now, back to Mark Leishman. You can't get there on talent alone. We know that because there's too many talented players. If you don't work as well, you're just not going to make it. And I think a lot of guys get to that point at some point where if they don't want to put the work in, so, so, so. We know. Outwardly, though, you don't look like that guy, Mark. You don't look like the guy that wants to put his foot on the throat of the guy who's a shot behind or a shot in front with three holes to go. Obviously, there must be that competitor within. Um, are you hiding it? Is it something that only manifests internally for you? You don't sort of show it outwardly? I think it's um, – well, the work – I mean, that's – you know, you have to work, but you've got to work on the right things. So that's a start. So I like to work efficiently. I don't like to be out there for a whole lot of time, but what I do do is very efficient and um, and productive. Um but I'm really competitive at, at everything I do. Um, it's probably lucky Audrey, my wife, is not competitive. Because <laughs> if we if we take separate cars to dinner, I'll ask her which way she's going to go and I'll go a different way to try and beat her. Um, so there's little things like that. And I guess it's um, – I mean, I feel like you can be really competitive and really um, – You know, I don't know the word, but you know, you can have that real fighting spirit without being a a dick, being an ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can, you know, I like to play people who are playing their best, uh-huh. and I want to play my best and beat them. Um, and if they beat me, well, good for them, and I'll be, I'll be happy for them. Um, but you know, I'll do everything I can, um, you know, to a point to to beat them as well. Um, so. You know, at the end of the day, I, I want to be a, a good person and um, and a successful person, but I'm also going to be happy for someone else if they outplay me or, or I mess up and, um, and they win. So I'm going to be happy for them. You know, that's it's not really in my nature to, to be annoyed at someone else's success, I guess. Yeah. Who are you beating in the best PGA Tour lawn stakes at the moment? We know that you're the leader in the clubhouse because we've seen it on social media and you had a crack, <laughs> even had a crack at the MCG. Who's in that competition and, and how much are you leading by? Uh, well, Cam Smith was in it and he's just bought a new house. So he's uh, he's he's starting from scratch again. Um, Rory's, Rory's got a pretty good green in his backyard, uh-huh. McElroy. Um, I, he doesn't look after his. Tiger doesn't look after his. They've got, they got other, other people looking after it. So I'm probably the – the only one that's looking after my own lawn. Pamps has got a pretty good lawn. Uh-huh. Uh, 
So, but yeah, there's, you know, obviously we spend our whole life on grass. So, um, so we enjoy, enjoy it. And, um, but yeah, no, I certainly, it's more, well, I just like it. It's a bit of a workout and you can enjoy a beer after it. That's probably the main thing for, I was gonna for ask, me. <laughs> what is it about? I mean, most blokes, the thing they dread every week is having to go out and mow the lawn. And here you are. <laughs> you could, you can afford to pay someone to mow. And you're out there doing it yourself and loving it. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I love it. It's, um, you know, it gets you out of the house. It's, uh, looks good afterwards and, um, you know, a bit of a, bit of a spell from the kids as well. So, um, yeah, a bit of everything, but I, I don't know. I've just always enjoyed it. You know, I used to mow mum and dad's lawn and mow my grandparents' lawns and just do all that and just, I don't know, just like trying to get the stripes on it. Now I've got the mowers that can actually put the stripes on it, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it's very blokey, isn't it, that look what I've done. Even when we go to the yeah. washing the dishes, I don't like a dishwasher. I like to stack them up on the sink so that not only can I see them, but everybody can else see what I've done and achieved. I think it's why blokes yeah. are builders too. And look what I did. I built a house. I mowed a lawn. So I, ha- so I hate washing the dishes. <laughs> I'll, I'll put the I'll put the bins out and mow the lawn. Someone else can do the dishes. <laughs> Indeed. What's the state of play at the moment uh, there in Virginia Beach? Have you guys been in lockdown? Obviously, you've been playing a bit. You imagine you're not playing this week. But uh, and how's that sort of been? Has it been quarantine? Has it been awkward to try and get around? How's the how's the whole we, going? Yeah, we were in lockdown for about two months. Um, but we, golf courses never closed. Um, it was never really, really strict here. Um, you know, we could still go pick up lunch or, you know, go and go to the shops or whatever, but well, but, you know, pick up food, but, um, yeah, then, it, then it opened up and it's pretty much, you know, on track to keep opening up. We just went into phase three opening. So restaurants are at a hundred percent capacity. Um, it, you know, we're one of the lucky areas, like I said before. There's a lot of military here. They've got their own um, quarantine sort of things. They're allowed to go to work and from work and that's it. So, you know, you feel pretty bad for them. But, um, yeah, there's other areas of the country. I guess Texas and Florida pretty much fully opened up and now they're shut down again. So, um, Arizona yeah, hopefully they can get – yeah, Arizona as well. Uh, so hopefully they can get things under control and we can – get back to some sort of uh, normal, you know, travel more than anything. I mean, you know, my parents were, you know, they normally make a couple of trips over here every year and they, they don't know when they're going to be able to come back. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back at the end of the year. So it's, um, yeah, it's you know, a little worrying. But, um, you know, you look at what our grandparents and all that went through and, um, you know, it's, I guess it's a little, a lot different to, to what they, you know, went through. So if you look at it that way, I feel like it's, you know, not too bad, but you also don't want to say it's not too bad because people are, you know, dying and all that. But, um, so, you know, we'll see how it all, all ends up, but, uh, yeah, at the moment things are quite normal here in Virginia Beach. Yeah. That's, there's that perspective kicking in again. Not many of us have taken the time to sit back and consider actually, you know, bad things have happened to other generations as well. And, Really, what we've been asked to do, sit on the couch, is not that bad compared to yeah. to what others yes. have endured. <laughs> what was going on with your golf before all this started? Where were where were you sort of positioned? How was it coming along? Because it would have been Masters was on the horizon. You would have been already in in March. You would have been in the the phase of thinking about that, getting prepared for that. It's a place where you've had some success before. With a bit of luck, you'll be back there in November, which will be 
really weird. You think it's weird playing without crowds? Georgia in November is going to be odd. Yeah. But where was everything golf was prior be. to? And how has it been coming back? Practice is just practice, isn't it? You can't tell a lot from it. You've got to yeah. do it, but it doesn't tell you much. Exactly. Yeah, golf was good before the, the lockdown. Um, you had a win at Torrey Pines, um, second at Bay Hill. So I got off to a really good start. I was not, I normally play terrible at the players every year. Um, so that course doesn't suit me very well. And I was coming fourth or I think fifth after the first round and when it got cancelled. So my game was in a really good spot. Um, I had a fair bit of time off, um, which was nice. I haven't really had an off season for about 10 years. So I, I enjoyed that. And I've been a little rusty. Um, I think the yeah, Colonial, my first tournament back, I had 11 birdies in the first two rounds and didn't sniff making the cut. Um, just had uh, a lot of mistakes and uh, made a lot of mistakes. And then last week, got off to a really good start and just, you know, fizzled out a little bit. But um, the signs are good. Signs are good. Um, I'm excited about these next two weeks in, in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Muirfield Village, where I've played well before and we've got two tournaments in a row there. And then, um, you know, pretty much the major season starts. You know, we've got the, the WGC in Memphis and the PGA and then the playoffs and the US Open and the Masters and That's a whirlwind. all that. So, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. It'd be a good time to be in good form. Um, so I'm not playing a whole lot, well, at the moment, just to try and be somewhat fresh for that big stretch. And, um, you know, because you, you could potentially, you know, win – Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have a chance to win a couple of majors in in a couple in two months span. So, um, you know that's and they're courses that I like as well. You know, I like um, really like Harding Park and Augusta, Wingfoot. You know, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good good end to the year, and hopefully, I can be playing good when it matters. From the outside, you look to be a, a momentum player. You're one of those players who sort of plays into form and then holds that form for sort of multiple weeks at a time. Remember that you had that amazing run in, was it 2014 maybe, where you had the WGC in the Open and the PGA, there was something else in there. You had sort of, sort of run yep. really good finishes in there. Does it feel like that to you? Is there some explanation? Have you always been that way? Um, yeah, I think so. It just, yeah, I guess when you get into form, you just got to try and make the most of it. You know, you don't play well all the time. Um, and when you do, you've got to, really try and make hay while the sun's shining. You know, I actually played with my neighbour from across the street this morning. He's a 17-year-old, wants to be a pro golfer. And, um, you know, I asked him what his best score was and he's like, oh, my, you know, shot five under for nine months. And, um, you know, that's great. Like when you're five under through nine, you got to try and – don't try and just shoot five under. you got to keep going and try and make the most of it and shoot ten under. He's like, oh, you know, I was sort of trying to – just have a good score. I'm like, no, no, you don't always play well. So you've got to really try and make the most of it. And that's what, that's what I do. So, if, um, you know, you won't see me lay up too often if I'm playing well. Um, and you know, you just, yeah. So I guess I am a, a little streaky, um, particularly with the putter, but, um, it's, you know, that's the good thing, I guess I can, can get hot and, um, never know when it's going to change. So you've got to keep your foot on the accelerator. Putting's black magic, Mark. Don't feel bad about that at all. Nobody understands it, even those who are good at it. So don't let them tell you, tell you otherwise. Are you born that way, or do you learn that in golf? You said the young bloke who's sort of you know his 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 default position was 
try and protect that five under. I think there's a lot of people like that. Your default position is try to get to ten. I think Tiger Woods is a player somewhat like that as well. Are you born that way? Do you learn that? What do you reckon? Where do you reckon that comes from? Yeah, I don't know. It's um, I guess I guess you can be born that way and change, um, or born conservative and change. But I think I was born that way just to be pretty aggressive, especially with something that um is not life or death. Um. I'm a little more conservative with with other areas of my life. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, are you a natural risk taker? Does it show up everywhere, or no? It's just the golf. Course? No, I'm not. Just yeah, just just the the stuff where there's not any real great, well, any grave consequences. I would say. Um, so yeah, you can you can be born with it. I think it's in you know it's good if you if you know how to win from a young age. Um, you, that, that's something that you have to learn as well. But, you know, some people find it easier than others. There can be people with a lot of talent who don't quite know how to win. Um, and I think that's, you know, you can see that in, in young kids that coming through. If they, you know, they might not be quite as good as everyone else, but if they know how to win, that's probably more important than the talent. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, that and, um, you know, knowing how to, lo- how to go really low is, is also very important in golf. Yeah. It's unique in many ways, golf, but competitively it's unique in that way, isn't it? That it's the only sport I can really think of, unless you count darts as a sport perhaps, where you're in complete control. Everything that happens, all of the good is on you and all of the bad, sure, it's partly shared by the caddy for a bit, but ultimately you know that all of the bad is on you as well. I can't think of another sport where that's the case. You can play in a team, play great and get beat, play bad and win, but in golf it's all on you, isn't it? Yeah, for um, for the most part, definitely. Um, yeah, probably darts and ten pin bowling are the only two like that. There might be a bit of luck with the pins, but um, yeah, golf. I mean, you can get a good lie or a bad lie in the rough, but apart from that, it's sort of yeah. For the most part, it's on you. You know, you hit a good part, it'll probably go in. Hit a poor part, it's not going to go in. So um, yeah, it's and that's where you can be pretty hard on yourself too. Of you know notoriously pretty hard on myself when things aren't going well and um you know that's that's where it can you know be be tough as well but that's just like we were saying earlier on it's just one of the challenges with the game and what why it's such a good game because you can be so high when you're playing well and then it can get on top of you and you can feel like you're never going to make a birdie ever again in your life so um i think that's a you know a testament to, to how good golf is. Yeah, make the most of it because one day that's going to be true. You're not going to make any more birdies. They will yeah. have run out. You won't know when that that moment comes. Exactly. We spoke a few yeah. years ago. I think it was at the maybe the World Cup at Kingston Heath 2016, that crazy week where I think you and Adam Scott did more press in five days than you probably had done in the previous year. Every day you got hauled in <laughs> front of us so we could ask the same ridiculous questions we'd asked the day before. But we spoke before the tournament and I asked you then about achieving and underachieving and overachieving and not in a disparaging way but that sort of looking at your record then you might make the case that Mark Leishman had perhaps underachieved and it led to a discussion about what it takes to be the very best and you said something to me which I've never forgotten about Jason Day who was world number one at the time I think or had been just recently and you said that you've been at barbecues on a Sunday afternoon when Jason has said no to a second beer and you said to me I'm not that guy which is interesting we'll come to Leishman Lager shortly <laughs> and what what all that means, but tease that out a little bit because we know that you've you, we know you're the competitor. You want to be the very best in the world. Is it just different for different people? What's required, perhaps? Does saying no to the second beer not work for you? Maybe where it does for Jason. 
Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think there's, I mean, probably not that a second beer is happiness for me, but happiness, it's more important for me to be happy than it is to, to win, you know, six majors and 20 tour events. I would love to do that. Don't get me wrong. But, um, I love spending time with my mates. Um, and I think to be the best, you've got to be able to dedicate your entire life to golf. And I'm, especially with kids, I'm just not willing to do that. Um, so I'll take, you know, my career right now, um, over, you know, someone who's had a lot more, a lot more success than I have, but I feel like I've lived life good. I want to live life a lot better. Um, you know, coming up, but, um, yeah, I, I just like to enjoy myself and, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm comfortable with where everything is in golf. Um, yes, I'd like to have a few more wins, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you only get to live once and I don't want to have any regrets and miss my kids growing up and all that. So, um, yeah, I'm more than happy with, with what I've done. Um, but you know, I've got stuff that I still want to do as well in, in golf. Even if you had a few more wins, yeah. Mark, you'd still want a few more. Tiger still wants to win more. And let's be honest, that's just greedy. He really has had enough, truth be yeah. told, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not fair. Where do you reckon that comes from? Because I think you'd – I met your dad once. It might have been that same year. I think we walked a practice round with you and I was chatting to your dad. Is he a bricklayer? Okay. He was, yes. Yeah. Yep. He was a brickie, so. Um, sort of humble. That's different yeah, to a lot think, of your you know, he, brethren on the tour, I'd imagine. They would have different upbringings to that. That's proper hard work, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah, I saw how hard he worked and um, how much he enjoyed himself as well. So, um, you know, you can see how much someone enjoys himself and um, with having not a whole lot. You know, dad was a bricklayer, mum was a nurse. We, we were, you know, we, we didn't miss out, but, you know, you know, mum worked, I think, three jobs at one point and, and all that. And, um, you know, I saw how happy they were and I'm like, well, that's that's how I want to be, you know, no matter what, where I get to, how successful I get or not successful, not even not successful, I should say that. Um, you know, if golf works out or it doesn't, I just want to make sure I'm happy and um, I'll do everything I can to, to do that and um, feel like I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, golf's kind of easy to measure success, isn't it? Because tournament wins equal success. There's, there's very, there's, there's, there's quite straight lines about what constitutes success. Being on the PGA Tour, that's a success, isn't it? Winning on the yeah. PGA Tour, that's yeah. a huge success. It is, and you know, it's funny because I think I've had maybe eleven or twelve wins in my career. I've probably played four hundred events. And I'll have an 11 or 12 wins. Um, that's actually a pretty good career. You're one of the best so, in the world, my uh, friend. <laughs> at a 3% success rate. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting sport in that respect. You know, if you're in a team sport where it's one-on-one uh, or team versus team, you know, you're obviously your success, or hopefully your success rate is a lot higher than 3%. Um, but, um, yeah, golf, you know, you get used to, to – not winning, I guess. I won't say losing because sometimes you finish 10th and feel like you've, it's been a successful week. Um, sometimes you finish second and you feel like you're, you know, you're gutted leaving the course. So, um, success is measured differently in golf and, uh, wins certainly are, are good with that. But, you know, sometimes a good week can be 10th. Yeah. You're probably not playing many AFL grand finals if your team win rate is 3%. 
<laughs> so exactly. you can say that's probably not a recipe for success in uh, yeah. in many other sports. The law knowing the leashman, like what's the leashman lager thing about? What are you what are you doing there? Why would you go into that business? Surely, as a PGA Tour player, there's other businesses you could invest in which are much more sensible than trying to get into brewing. No, I love love beer. Um, seemed like a a perfect fit, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so we got the got Leishman Lager in Australia, and then we got um, got you know got it over here as well in, in the states. Um, so it's just been fun. Um, you know, pretty passionate about it. Um, I feel like it's something that you know once golf is is done with, you know, whenever that is, um, it's something that could you know, pay the bills after golf. So, um, you know, it's got off to a really good start in Australia and um, over here it's going pretty well too. So we're, um, you know, it's a, yeah, it's, it's good. The, the, the Leishman Lager in Australia is a mid strength and, um, but full flavored. So it's, uh, we brewed it, you know, brewed it as a mid strength, not just add water sort of the, during it. Um, and yeah, it's, People, people are enjoying it, and uh, we're going to try and get it into a lot of golf clubs around the country. And um, you know, it's been been going quite well in, in Victoria so far. You're obviously good at beer. Are you good at business? It's a learning curve, isn't it? Setting up a business, there's a million things to be done. Yeah, it's it's the same as as golf, really. Um, you just got to surround yourself with the right people. Um, you know, you wouldn't want to surround yourself with five other people that have never done it before either. Um, you know, you got to get good people around you who have done it. And, um, if something comes up, um, they know what to do. And I feel like I've surrounded myself with, with really good people back home, uh, in Australia. And you know, we've got a publican, we got a lawyer and, and we've got a, um, and Bill, you know, looks after all the day to day stuff. So, um, it's, you know, been, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's grown fairly quickly, um, and yeah, we're we're still learning, but it's uh, it's been been very enjoyable. What you got there with a public and a lawyer and a golfer is a Wednesday afternoon four ball, mate. That's why you can't get a tea time on a Wednesday. Exactly. Throw, throw in a dentist, and you've got yourself a Royal <laughs> Melbourne Wednesday afternoon four ball there. That's what you've got. Yeah, uh, hanging right there. And you, are you serious about that? That that might be your legitimate career after golf is. Is this sort of Leishman Lager yeah, thing? Is it that sure. that big a deal? Not just a bit of a folly and a bit of fun. Yeah, I think it's um, no, no. It's um, so the one over here was kind of dip my toe in the water, um, see how it went, you know, see how far the the name could get us, and um, it's grown a lot slower over here, but um, still been profitable. And the one in Australia is it, you know kind of blew up very early on this was a bit of a setback with all this COVID stuff, but, um, you know, got into a lot of golf clubs and a lot of pubs around Melbourne and, um, you know, interest was fairly high. So, um, we can keep that going and, um, see where it takes us, you know, we, um, yeah, it'd be, it's, it's going to be fun either way, but hopefully we can, uh, be successful and, um, Yeah, see where it takes us. A bit like golf, early and quick success can actually be quite difficult to manage in business. Have you had any of those hurdles? It can be unexpected. Cash flows don't necessarily keep up with demand. There's all sorts of things can happen when you have unexpected and 
fast success. Yeah, so our our first batch was going to be ten thousand liters, and then last minute we upped it to twenty thousand. It was meant to last. The ten thousand was meant to last three months. The twenty lasted less than a month. <laughs> uh, so then the next batch was meant to be another ten thousand. That turned into sixty thousand liters, and so it's just yeah. So little little things like that, but it's been all good problems so far. So um, and you know, talking about nerves. I mean, that's the probably the most nervous I've been in the last five years is tasting my beer for the first time. You know, you, 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 you tell them how you want it to taste and do this and that and, you know, want to look like this and then you, you get it and you're like, just please don't taste terrible. <laughs> and then to, to drink it and have it taste um, really good. I mean, you know, that's why we've been selling so much of it is because it's such a good product. So I had a case of beer that like was, that um, like I thought I was going to need six. That was pleasing to – then I needed 12, then it was 24. There must be something yeah, exactly. about beer. There just doesn't ever seem yeah. to be enough of it, no matter how much <laughs> you've, uh, you've got. Uh, let's go back to golf. Because yeah, no, nah, so it's, yeah. Yeah, golf's more of a focus, obviously, at this point than the Leishman Lager. We know you've got the game to win the biggest prizes. You've been there, you've seen it, you've been up close, you've tasted it. I mean, you couldn't get any closer than you did in 2015 at the Open. The Open and the Masters seem to be the two, based on your record so far, uh, that's where you've played your best golf. No Open this year, but there is a Masters. Is that Would that be your assessment, that the Masters and the Open probably suit your sort of game the best? And what do you Definitely. do yep. what do you do to go that extra step? Is there some formula? Is there a book you can read that will give you the answer, or do you just got to keep trying? Oh, man, it's just a matter of putting four rounds together and hope someone doesn't play better than you on that certain week. Um yeah, I think the the Masters and the Open are my two best opportunities. I think the PGA at Harding Park is a good chance this year. Um, that's a good, pretty good course for me. But in general, PGA courses and US Open courses are not really conducive to, to Mark Leishman. Um, need to hit a little too straight off the tee there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to you just have to play well on the right weeks, you know. And because we're playing twenty five events a year. You know, obviously, you know the tournaments that you want to play well at, but whether you do or not is another thing. You know, I wish I could tell you that I can peak for certain events and not for others, but I'm trying to play well at every event. Um, so it's there is a little bit of luck there involved on which weeks you play well, and you know you've got to prepare as well as you can and and hope you can um, just have it that week because you know obviously you know some weeks you have it and some weeks you don't. Every time you get close. It helps for the next time you get close, I suppose, doesn't it? That's kind of the point of it. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you can learn something. Um, you know, I've always said you learn a lot more from when you lose than, than when you uh, – than your victories. So uh, as long as you can learn from um, from your – you know, when you're there, that's probably the, the best thing and, you know, give you a good chance for the next time. Mark, our time's at an end. Really appreciate you doing this. Best of luck for the upcoming whirlwind Big event season that you're staring at from there. You'll have earned yourself a Leishman Lager by the end of it. We hope there's some golf <laughs> to see you back playing in Australia before the end of the year. It's not looking likely at this stage, but perhaps we might be able to get to see you early next year. We look forward to having you back here whenever that is, and we really appreciate you taking some time today, mate. Thank you very much. Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Rod. Appreciate, appreciate it. You know, I've always had the feeling that Mark Leishman would be a good bloke to sit and have a beer with, and nothing in that interview has disabused me of that notion. He told us he was finding it hard to lift with the no crowd rule on the PGA Tour, but with major season just around the corner in this topsy-turvy new schedule, 
I fully expect that we'll see some better play from Leishman in the coming weeks and months. Well, that's it for episode 23 of the show, but I hope you've made the effort to subscribe because on episode 24, we're going to meet a man whose voice you'll know, but whose story might surprise you. You know, as, as uh, Chichi Rodriguez once said, Jack Nicklaus, he hunts, he fishes, he plays tennis, and he wins golf championships. He's a legend in his spare time. That's South African legend Dale Hayes, next time on The Thing About Golf. 